wicked, wicked. Let's get down to business. I don't got no time to play around. What is this? This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday to you. Lots of football to get to as, well, every other season's over. Once football kicks off, Hall of Fame game a week ago, a couple of actual preseason games last night. We will talk about the read the room error going on uh, in Cleveland right now. As of right now, they are still unable to actually read the room in Cleveland. And of course, I will get to the, uh, somebody walked by my desk today and said, Wicket, what do you expect tonight? Because he knows I'm a Packers fan. And I'm like, I don't know. It's a preseason, man. What the hell do you want me to talk about? Jordan Love season starts tonight. We'll get to all of that. But first, I jumped at the opportunity to have my first guest on today. Uh, when I saw that he was coming out with a book, if you are on Twitter, A, follow me at Mike Wicked, follow us at ESPN Des Moines. And I'm sure if you're a sports fan, you follow at Old Takes Exposed, the freezing cold takes of what everybody always gets wrong on the social media, on Twitter. I love it. I have been Instagrammed by Old Takes Exposed. I'll explain to our guest if he remembers doing it to me or not. But he's got a book out now, and it's coming out. It's called Freezing Cold Takes, NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them. I feel like he could have written six books, but Fred Siegel is with me. Fred, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, so I'll get to me later. I want to talk about you. Did you always enjoy proving people wrong? <laughs> Uh, no, not necessarily. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the type of person to correct somebody whenever <laughs> they say something. But I, I do have a good, like, I had a, I've always had a good memory of what people say and certain things that uh, you really don't expect to remember, but you do. So I would always remember you know, what people tweeted. And if there, there got to be a point in time where I would read Twitter and to see all these you know, sports journalists they were always uh, reposting their accurate predictions and with self-congratulatory messages to themselves. And I said to myself, somebody should be the person who reposts the same tweets and quotes of the same people that turned out to be dead wrong. <laughs> I guess I just became that person. Because I would remember a lot of the stuff they posted. Um, and when they were back slapping themselves, I, I would say, oh, this person also got something wrong. So it's kind of like it'd be a counter to those people. I, I think it's fascinating because not only are your takes on Twitter or people's takes on Twitter in the sports world, do you get, I mean, political entertainment. I'm starting to see you get tagged all the time, regardless of like any prediction ever made that goes awry. Yeah, I'll get tagged to anything like the weather. Um, yeah, someone saying this is good. <laughs> I've been tagged to. I, I've been. I, I, had, I had a DM from somebody who said who had a text from like their girlfriend that said like something along the lines of "I can't wait for us to like be together forever" or something like that, and sent it to me when they broke up. I didn't realize that one was your fault, but all right. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. He sent it. He sent that text to me after oh, they broke up. That's great. Like, like her post, her tweet, or her text to him was the cold take. Oh, 
freezing cold <laughs> takes, NFL football media's most inaccurate predictions, and the fascinating stories behind them. If you follow Old Takes Exposed on Twitter, Fred is the guy behind the account, and Fred Siegel is my guest. The book is out. You can buy it right now wherever you get your books. Uh, I want to run through some of these stories that you talk about in a minute, but it feels like this is a book you could not have written 20 years ago with the birth of social media and the fact that everybody loves piling on people who are wrong. Like, was the, would there have even been a way to do this, you know, in the year 2000 or 1995? It would be really difficult then. I mean, you'd have to use clips from, I don't even know where you'd be able to publish it at that time. I mean, the internet, I mean, I guess you could, I, I, maybe in a blog, I don't even think blogs. Were yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you had a platform, unless you had a platform, in which uh, you get a lot of viewers or readers, it would be hard to do. But um, and you'd have to have some sort of archive. Uh, I'm sure they like you, like the microfilm at the library. Well, what's great about it too is a lot of these stories. You know, there's 14 chapters in the book, 14 different stories that you tell and get quotes and and and, and different stories that are written about all these characters in the world of sports. A lot of them are from that era. Like, for example, and as a Green Bay Packers fan, I gravitate right to Chapter 12. Why would we give up a first-round pick for Brett Favre? (laughs) I mean, what? I I can't imagine. Like, I was 11 when that trade happened. I'm 41 now. But when that trade went down and I was 11, like, I I didn't know anything about that. But I'm sure Green Bay media had a hell of a lot to say. Yeah, they didn't know who he was. And um, it wasn't really that big of a media market. So they're like when I was looking up for stuff like that, it wasn't really that big. And, and Favre was such a unknown player, even though he was a first round pick for the Falcons, that when they made the trade, the Packers, it wasn't like a big thing on ESPN or anything like that. So it was hard to find, but I found a lot of stuff from the Green Bay media and uh, you know Wisconsin area media, and uh, that a lot of them didn't know who he was and were upset that they gave Packers gave up a first-round pick for them. Even the players on their own team didn't know why that would happen. But uh, there's also stuff in that chapter about, like, Reggie White signing him. Uh, thought it was too much money. Not worth it. And uh, Mike Holmgren, when he was hired, was, was, people were critical because they thought he was a clone of the previous coach, Lindy Infante. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, chapter nine focuses on the green. I notice a trend. At least three of these 14 chapters have to do with my Packers here, Fred. I know. It's just, <laughs> the Packers were Packers were a good team to use for the book because, <laughs> because there's just a lot of stuff going on with them. And uh, yeah, so it's like there, there was some there's just some really fun stories about them. Yeah. Chapter nine. Tony Mandarich is in a class <laughs> by himself. It doesn't get any better than this. I mean, that one. Everybody knew what a bu- I mean, the, the incredible bus. We've seen the Sports Illustrated cover. How long does a story like Tony Mandarich or even the Favre trade, how long do those stories take to research, put into words, and then get into concise, you know, 20, 30-page chapters? Well, the Favre story was a combined combination of uh, just entire Packers from the 90s type thing. So, I mean, that was, that was, that was I, I used, I, I didn't have enough to do a full bunch of pages. I could probably only do about one or two pages on Favre from when he was traded because, um, because there was, there wasn't that much on it. Sure. Cause it was, it was such an irrelevant thing at the time. Like it was such a, uh, under the radar thing, but other stories were easy. Mandarich was easy because you just go on any article 
from your from a newspaper archive and write Tony Mandarich and you'll find a quote of somebody just lauding him as the next Hall of Famer. Uh, so and he was going to be the second pick overall in the draft. So he was a he was an important person. He was a person who was talked about a lot. Um, but uh, certain stories it's easier than others, especially the stories when it goes back to the eighties and stuff like. Um, and it's it's about something that. Not, not well, It wasn't necessarily a big-time thing that was discussed all the time. Talking to Fred Siegel, the book is out. If you follow Old Takes Exposed on Twitter, the book is called Freezing Cold Takes, NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them. I'm not going to lie. Chapter 3 about Chip Kelly being the answer to the city's prayers in Philadelphia. I can picture myself in 2013 texting the one Eagles fan I knew. And I watched the opening night game of Chip Kelly's offense and, and Vic and company running 80, 90 plays in that game. And I just remember texting him like, man, Chip Kelly is the real deal. Well, we found out Chip Kelly didn't last very long. That must've been a fun one to write because you had the Vic angle. You had the Chip Kelly angle. You had the coming out of college angle and Philadelphia in itself is always a fun angle, Fred. Yeah. Well, that, that, Chip Kelly game was like the pinnacle oh. of, of reaction. It was the first half of that Monday night football game. It was the first game of the year. And the Chip Kelly thing was a big, there was a lot of people talking about how he would do in the NFL with his offense. Because in college, Chip Kelly's offense is nothing like anyone had ever seen. They were just running plays like every five seconds. And it, it, the NFL, it, nobody did that in the NFL. So when he came on in the first half, they started, they were up like 28 to six. Um, and they just like, they only, they only had like a, a few plays. Mm-hmm. So, so the entire Twitter was posting cause Twitter's really the only platform you use for posting during the game. And, and uh, the entire Twitter was talking about how the revolution is here. Defensive coordinators are on the, the NFL are so scared. Um, it was just like, I have a whole list of them I'm in the chapter. And then throughout <laughs> the course of his three, his three years there, there was various times where he was being hyped up as a big time coach. But I think what ended up happening, it, it, he, his offense was never like Oregon, but he, he was pretty good on offense and he had, he had a pretty good offensive mind. He did a lot of, things that people use now like he really kind of revolutionized the rpo in the nfl but he it, what happened was is that nobody thought about like they thought if his offense worked or he was a good in offense he'd be great but nobody thought that he would be of, of what he would be like in managing the team and making roster moves and getting along with his assistants and his owners and none of that he did well and end up completely going back and they, and they end up getting rid of him after three years with, when he had made the playoffs twice. Any other coach, they would have, uh, 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 would have given him more time, but he just didn't get along with everybody. And he traded practically the entire roster but by the time it was the third year. Which story, which chapter was the most fun for you to write, for you to research, for you to find all the freezing cold takes about? Uh, probably the first one with Beth when Bill Belichick was hired by the Patriots. (laughs) It worked out pretty well, I think, for New England. Yeah, I mean, that whole month. The month was January 2000. um, And Bill 
Bill Belichick was – he after Parcells left the Jets, um, to let, I mean, stepped down as the head coach of the Jets, Bill Belichick, who was the defensive coordinator, took over as the head coach by contract. And um, after one day as the head coach of the Jets, Belichick just quit because he, he clearly wanted to go to New England. And for three weeks, first of all, that's, the New York media slammed him for quitting. And then three weeks, for three weeks, he was trying to extricate himself from the Jets' contract so he could be hired by the Patriots. And there was hearing after hearing and ruling that was reported on it. And, and accompanying those rulings was more, more uh, criticism about Belichick, more articles trashing him. And then when the Patriots hired him, there were more articles trashing the Patriots for hiring him. So it was just a month-long feeding frenzy. And it was great. Supposed that they, there was, there's, I, I had to leave out. I had a word requirement, so I had to leave out all, all of them, <laughs> you know, a lot of them. But, uh, I could have wrote a lot, of, a lot more on it. Uh, I appreciate, and I, I, I'm kind of jealous that I'm not in the book, I made it to your Instagram. <laughs> Do you run the Instagram page too? The the yes, okay. Yes. Well, you didn't. I bump... probably remember the tweet, but maybe not that it was you. Uh, I said Patrick Mahomes was the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West behind Rivers, <laughs> Carr, and Keenum. And not only did I get, <laughs> not only did I get read. This was before Week One, so I wasn't that crazy. But it was it. Was, not only did I get retweeted about five hundred times from Chiefs fans after like the first game when he threw six touchdowns or whatever against Pittsburgh. But I made it to your Instagram page, too. I was very proud of that because I've been doing sports radio for 20 years, and I'm like, man, now I've made it. Yeah, well, the Instagram page is much more selective. I, I, I post <laughs> way more on Twitter. Twitter. Instagram is not a page, it's not a platform where you just post 10 things a day. So uh, I use, like, a, a, maybe on a Sunday I'll do two or three, but throughout the week it's usually just one or two. Um, so... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that oh, I remember that completely. Yeah, that's a great one. Now, the best are people who tag you like three years later, tag you, and like, what do you say now, Mike? As if you haven't addressed it like 400 times. Right. Like, we're wrong a lot, you know? Right. Uh, and, but, and, but they want to be the guy who says gotcha to you. Like, you, you, you've, you've heard, you've, you've been God already. Like, and that's why ago. I love the site. You know, because I, I, I love, like, if you don't have humility in this business, and yeah. I've never claimed to be a journalist. I've always claimed to be an entertainer. I have no journalistic integrity. Uh, I, but if you can't laugh at yourself, if you can't say, look, I'm human like everybody else, and I get, if I get 51% of the stuff that I predict right, I should go to Vegas. I could, I could yeah. retire on that. But we don't because it's sports. It's unpredictable. And we lead with our hearts and maybe not our, our heads. But at that time, Fred, he hadn't started a game outside of week 17 against the Broncos the last year because he was behind <laughs> Alex Smith and he hadn't proven anything. And yeah, three years later, I'm like, well, that might be the dumbest thing yeah. I've ever said on sports, I, on sports uh, radio. There were some bad ones and, uh, about that. Um, yeah. John, John Wiener, the, uh, the, the Stugat, they call him Stugat, yeah. Dan Levitard's co-host on the Levitard show right before that has a rant, the grill and the greatest rant about how who does Andy Reid think he is trading Alex Smith for this guy Mahomes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was an amazing rant. They play it a lot still on that show. Yeah, you have, uh, you got to be able to laugh at it, and that's what yeah. makes the, your site so great. Are you coming out with another book? Are you going to do a different sports version, or do you just 
mostly constant? Because you could do NBA takes all day, too. I would love to. I would love to. I mean, I just, I, I don't really know what the, uh, I, I thought that was the plan going in. That's why I did NFL. I was originally going to do all sports, but I changed the idea to do one sport so I could do more. But um, I, I don't know how it, I would have to have somebody who would be willing to publish it. I don't, I don't know how, like, I haven't gotten any numbers on this book yet, so I don't know if, how it's done, but I, the response has been great online. It's called Freezing Cold Takes, NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them. Uh, Fred Siegel has been my guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Old Takes Exposed. If you're listening to us here on ESPN Des Moines, the odds are if you're on Twitter, you already follow Fred, but if not, you should. Fred, the only thing I'm going to ask you is if you do do a second book, can you include a Mahomes chapter, and can I be in it? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, I left out a lot of the quarterbacks from 2018, first of all. Uh, and 2017, 2018, first of all, I mean, like, uh, I started writing the book before a lot of them broke out, like Josh Allen. Like, I started writing the book before he had, had his breakout year. So, like, I didn't include him, but I'd like to have, like, yeah, to do more on that type of their careers, like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, um, Mahomes. So, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll include that post. The book is fantastic, Fred. You've been a lot of fun. Your Twitter account has, I mean, it's its own entity. Everybody knows about it. So thank you so much for coming on. Continued success with the book. And I hope to have you on again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Fred. There's Fred Siegel. Again, the book, get it for the sports fan in your life. If you have ever been on Twitter and you just watch everybody busting each other's balls, this is the site. This is the book. Freezing Cold Takes, NFL Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them. Uh, I, I could have talked to Fred for hours. I mean, that that was that's good stuff. And if you want to uh, see a picture of the book, follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicked. I've got the book up there. We'll put this interview out if you missed it up on the, uh, the social media coming up in a bit. Fred was great. Um, all right. So I'm, cu- I'm going to get to a lot of stuff. The best thing I s- I've seen in sports maybe in my entire life happened this week or at least in the last five years, the coolest thing ever. Also, the ESPN Big Ten split is here. It's coming. And what this means for college football. But straight ahead, read the room, Cleveland. That's next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Happy Friday to you, Cubs baseball tonight. Cubs win the Field of Dreams game last night in Dyersville. They'll play the Reds uh, coming up this evening. I think five thirty ish for the pregame, six o'clock ish for the first pitch. It's in Cincinnati, so I think it's in Cincinnati. Probably in Cincinnati. They're playing against the Reds. We got baseball tonight. I'll have some thoughts on the Dyersville game coming up in just a bit. And I don't want to say I told you so, but I think I told you so. Nobody likes I told you so guy. Nobody likes I told you so guy. But I'll get to that coming up. So, but I will be I told you so guy. Um, So the NFL preseason is underway. And I was listening to our show yesterday, Bart Scott, during Bart and Han coming out. And if you heard the open to the show yesterday, Bart and Han, the show that's on before me, 
then you heard Bart firing people up for the preseason. And, and if it's hard to get fired up for the preseason, especially if you're a fan of a team who doesn't have anybody playing. Like, my Packers, no, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play. Why would he? He didn't play a snap last year, and he won the MVP. You know, he didn't play the previous year, I don't think. Won an MVP. You know, so it's like, there are certain people that teams that don't have to play anybody and they're going to be just fine. Like, even though they had that dud in week one last year against the Saints, I knew the Packers were going to be just fine. I believe, barring injury, they'll be just fine this year. Knock on wood. Other teams, they have a lot to to, to figure out in the preseason, like the Detroit Lions. You know, if I'm not a better, but I can tell you the Lions are going to be playing their ass off tonight in the preseason. But the point Bart was making was, yeah, you're, the guys you know may not be playing a lot of the game or any of the game, but watch those second and third and fourth string guys fighting for those roster spots out there killing themselves to make it on the Giants roster or the Panthers roster or the Raiders roster or the Packers roster. Because, you know, Bart Scott had a great career, but he started on special teams in the preseason. Told a great story about knocking his own helmet off the first play of the game or the opening kickoff. So that is something to watch for tonight in preseason games. If you're even bored, I cannot wait. I got the projector. I got the screen. I'm going to be on the deck. My feet are going to be up, cracking a white claw. I'll be watching the Packers play tonight. That's the plan. One game I will not be watching will be the Browns game. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like the Browns understand or don't care about the situation. If you have not heard, Deshaun Watson's going to be playing tonight. He's going to start the game. The same Deshaun Watson who is currently under investigation uh, for sexual misconduct. You've probably heard by now he had 20, I've heard up to 66, but 25 credibly, uh, credible accusations from women of sexual misconduct. Four of them went to, Kate, uh, to trial because one woman didn't want to disclose her name. That's fine. And he got a six-game suspension. And everybody, rightfully so, and we talked a lot about it last week, Everybody, rightfully so, up in arms, like, really? Really, NFL? We, we hear about predatory behavior. We hear about dangerous behavior. And all you give them is six games and no fine. NFL appealed immediately. It sounds like the NFL is going for one year. That's what they want. But the Browns are supposed to play tonight. And Deshaun Watson, as I'm on the air right now, is still supposed to start. Now, I believe... By the time we get to kickoff, Cleveland will have officially read the room and Watson won't start. Or the NFL will pull him, will, will come down with their decision and suspend him. I don't know how the regular season suspension goes with the preseason, but the optics, the optics of letting Deshaun Watson play tell you two things. One, Cleveland, who is operating as if it is a six-game suspension, believe they need Watson to play because he's going to only face six games. Two, Cleveland doesn't get the optics of letting an alleged, credibly accused sexual abuser play football. They don't understand it. So, I, and it's mind-blowing to me. It looks gross. It looks disgusting that the, the Browns are like, yeah, we know. It's fine. We're going to play him. There are, if the NFL's appeal gets shot down and there's no extra time added, we're still six games of the regular season away from Watson actually playing in a regular season game. But the Browns have said he's going to start. ESPN's Diana Russini. 
maybe this is just the Browns saying, let's go, let's get this, go- you know, let's move this along, which is completely feasible, by the way, and totally feasible. And I could see that being on the table for them. But the sense I'm getting is the league isn't feeling rushed to make a decision because of this. I think they're okay with a Friday night preseason game where Deshaun goes out there, plays a series or two, comes and goes, and and, and we move on while the league just continues to make a decision. There's no chance of him playing at all week one, right, because the NFLPA never appealed those six games. The six games are going nowhere, so he has to – he'll be out those first six games no matter what happens here with this appeal. Again, the optics of letting Watson play in this game – regardless of his week one status, are mind-blowing to me. More from ESPN. This time, Amber Wilson, who was on with Canty and Carlin. A little surprised, but not really, I guess, that he's going to play. I'm not surprised, frankly, because I think that the Browns right now are conducting business as usual and conducting themselves as if the six-game suspension is going to stand, even if you and I believe that it's probably not. And I also think that we're talking about a quarterback who hasn't played football in a really long time because he missed all of last oh. offseason or all of last season with the Texans. And oh. so because of that, they feel the need to get him the reps and kind of get him back in the groove while they can. And so preseason play, maybe the only play he's getting for some time in terms of of real football action, and they probably feel like that's necessary in case we do see him at some point this season. All right, real football action. Two series in the first preseason game is real football action? All right, uh, fine. From a from a football perspective, though, I, I can't imagine what Jacoby Brissett, who's the backup, who's going to be given the keys, should there only be a six-game suspension, or if there's an entire year-long suspension, Jacoby Brissett's their guy. It's Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs and Josh Rosen. That's the depth chart behind Watson in Cleveland, behind the $235 million accused sexual abuser. All right? That's what you got behind him. That's not winning a lot of games, all right? I mean, they got a real good team in Cleveland, minus the quarterback, if Watson can't play. And that's kind of what Damian Woody was saying on ESPN earlier today. It doesn't make too much sense to me. I get it. Deshaun Watson hasn't played meaningful football since, what, 2020? I think the Cleveland Browns are looking at this as, you know, getting him some live, getting him some games where there were that live, quote-unquote, bullets flying around Deshaun Watson. But when I, when I think of this situation, I think of, okay, from the NFL's perspective, your suspension's at minimum going to be six games, Max. At minimum, more likely, it's going to be much, much further along than that. So why not get Jacoby Brissett the amount of snaps that he that he needs, and on top of that, you're only one hit away from your backup quarterback yes. being in the, being thrusted in the situation. So if you're Cleveland, you can't necessarily be concerned with Deshaun Watson right now. You got to get Jacoby Brissett and the back whoever the backup is to Jacoby Brissett ready because he could come in with one hit that Jacoby Brissett takes. He's exactly right, and thanks to ESPN for putting that heavy metal guitar behind Damian Woody and his soundbite. That's great. Um, but he's 100% right. Like, you're doing a disservice to Jacoby Brissett and Jacoby Brissett's backup if you don't give Brissett as many reps as you can. Well, if the if the Browns are going to go with Watson heavy in the preseason, let's say he's allowed to, but he can't play six games, eight games, whatever, you are taking reps away from Jacoby Brissett. You need Jacoby Brissett to play well to go three and three if he's only out six games. If he's out... 10 games, 
You, you, how many games do you think Jacoby Brissett's going to win if he doesn't get any of the of the reps with the ones? And again, I know two series in preseason week one doesn't mean he's not going to get any or that Watson's getting all of the snaps. I understand that. I'm not trying to jump to an extreme here. But you're doing a disservice to your football team if the guy that can't play till maybe Halloween or later becomes the priority of running with the ones. Sarah Spain had some words last night here on ESPN, and she believes that the NFL will not let him play. They want to get out ahead of it and say, if we're going to make him suspended and not see him for an entire season, we don't want to have to deal with the optics of him ever suiting up and taking the field, knowing what everyone knows about the situation, particularly because the NFL is pushing for some sort of treatment and therapy to understand the pathology behind repeated premeditated predatory behavior and to have someone playing immediately after the ruling that he did sexually assault multiple people and that he was predating on people, I think is the thing that they're trying to avoid, regardless of whether it doesn't count as a real game. Yeah, I, and I agree. I, I cannot imagine the NFL is sitting here like, okay, we're cool with this. And I don't know what the deadline is to suspend uh, Deshaun Watson or to pull him or to, to, to come down with the ruling and the appeal. It says Watson can't play. Also, is it the biggest deal in the world if he plays two snaps? No, probably not. But again, the optics of it, it looks just terrible. Like, Cleveland doesn't care, you know? Whatever. We'll just do whatever we want. We signed the guy. We paid him $235 million. He's got a six-game regular season suspension facing him right now. We'll deal with it after. And maybe that's their mindset. We have not heard from Deshaun Watson I want to revisit some of his comments before all of this really started to snowball. We'll do that. Plus, hear from Keyshawn Johnson, who has a different take on Deshaun Watson starting tonight. We'll do that coming up next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World Cubs baseball coming up tonight about five thirty for the pregame with Zach Zaidman, Cubs and Reds. After last night's Field of Dreams game, if I have time, I'll get to some thoughts on that. But wrapping up this Deshaun Watson stuff, he's going to play. Well, the the plan is he's going to play and start preseason game coming up tonight. I find it to be disgusting that the Browns would say, "Okay, cool." We know he's incredibly accused by 25, down to four women. There's the appeal process going on about his sexual misconduct, but we're going to put him out there anyway. Now, I think it's a terrible idea. Some people disagree with me, including this from ESPN's Keyshawn Johnson. I think it is the right move because whether he plays this season or not, he's been away from football for quite some time. You certainly want to use the preseason as an opportunity to get the reps in live action that he's been missing. And this is not uncommon. You see it all the time in the National Football League with teams playing players that will miss the first part of the season due to suspension. That's just the way it is. I think, And I believe it's because preseason games are essentially part of training camp. You're not suspended from training camp. You're suspended for the regular season. You see it all the time. What do we see all the time? You see it all the time with suspended guys playing. I mean, I'm not, I can't remember a story of this magnitude where somebody who allegedly, allegedly, credibly accused of sexual misconduct with two dozen women, if not more. 
mean, imagine how many we don't hear about. I just, I am, you see it all the time. You know what that is? It's the same excuse of, well, it's just locker room chat. I mean, uh, you see it all the time. That doesn't make it good if it does happen, if it's as prevalent as Keyshawn Johnson is making it seem. That doesn't make it good. That doesn't make it, that's that's not the way it should be. Cleveland should read the room. Now, I want to go in the Wayback Machine earlier this summer. If you remember, you know, they signed Deshaun Watson to that mega contract back in uh, not the mandatory or not in not the OTAs, but the second camp, Deshaun comes in and he speaks to the media. Now, he's been on pretty much radio silence ever since all these different hearings have been going on. But in June, he said he was a bit caught off guard by the allegations. I don't have any regrets. Um, like, like I said before, what the things that, that are off the field right now that came up, you know, caught me by surprise because I never did anything that these people are, are alleging. And I know a lot of people say that I took the year off um, and I used that to be able to clear my name um, like the previous uh, two weeks and, and just to continue to fight that. And I just continue to work and become a better person, a better player, and just a better son, um, you know, like my mom has always taught me. Your mom doesn't like this behavior. All right. My mother is streaming this right now. She is watching the Facebook page. She is on the ESPN Des Moines page, and she would not like it if this was my behavior. All right. Trust me, Deshaun, your mom ain't proud of you. Uh, I don't have any regrets, and I never did anything wrong. Well, a judge says you did, and you settled 21 other cases. Innocent people don't settle 21 cases. One or two to make them go away because they're annoying like a gnat? Maybe. But innocent people don't settle nearly two dozen sexual misconduct cases. All right? More from Deshaun Watson because he was, you know, obviously his image is tarnished and he was asked about fixing that. I know that there's going to be a stain that's probably going to stick with me for a while, but all I can do is keep moving forward and continue to, to, to show the person that I am, the true character, the true person, the true human being I am. Like I said before, I've never done the things that these people are alleging, mm. and I'm going to continue to fight for my name and clear my name, and like I've been doing, just cooperate with everything that comes with it and just keep moving forward. And then as far as the job and, and what I need to do as a, on the football side is to lead this team, help this team win multiple, multiple games and Super Bowls. And that's my job is to continue to put all that together and work with the Cleveland Browns and, you know, just keep pushing forward. Mm, all right. I did read that he is willing to, according to one report, willing to accept a $5 million fine and a 10-game suspension. So is that an admission of guilt, even though in that soundbite he said he didn't do anything wrong? Or in the previous soundbite, I never did anything? Or in the, at that previous soundbite, I don't have any regrets? But you're willing to sacrifice $5 million in 10, million, in 10 games? Sounds like at some point he has to give up, right? You can't keep saying, I didn't do anything wrong, didn't do anything wrong, when the, the deck keeps getting stacked against you of credible accusations and rulings from legal, you know, from, from judges and this former New Jersey, whatever dude, who's in charge of the appeal process. Like at some point, doesn't he have to give up and say, 
I'm sorry. Issue the, the blanket statement. I regret. I'm going to rehabilitate myself. Go to counseling. Take the another year off and then start 2023. Because we give second chances, especially to athletes. We give second, third, fourth, fifth chances, especially great athletes. I could not, be, and I know I'm not an athlete. I'm not of Deshaun Watson status. But I could not have 25 sexual misconduct allegations brought against me and keep my job. Now, real-life jobs aren't the same as NFL quarterback jobs. I get it. I'm not the one generating millions and millions of dollars for the Cleveland Browns or any NFL franchise. I hope I can generate 25 bucks for this radio station. That's my job. But at some point, Deshaun Watson has to say, all right, fine. Fine, I'll take it. Because the NFL... The more he just seems to fight this and deny it and play the shaggy defense. You know the shaggy defense? Mm. It wasn't me. Now my friend Doug Russell taught me that up in Milwaukee. The shaggy defense is, it wasn't me. What are you talking about? We we have all this testimony and they all have the same story about what you did. Wasn't me. At some point, the shaggy defense doesn't work anymore. Like, wouldn't you get tired? Yeah, of fighting this? He must be exhausted. How do you focus on football? and your legal troubles, yes. and your personal life, and your counseling you're going through. How do you, how do you, I mean, I'm exhausted reading about him, but he's living that life. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have three toddlers like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my life's tough too, but in a very different way. So Deshaun Watson, uh, as of right now, it's 1241 on Friday, August 12th. He is going to start tonight. It's unreal that he's actually going to start tonight. I'll be watching. I will not be watching the Browns. As a matter of fact, like, if every game Deshaun Watson plays in, we all just turn the TV off. I know. Somebody's going to draft Deshaun Watson on their fantasy team. You're going to have Nick Chubb. You're going to have the Cleveland defense. I, I understand. You're going to have David Njoku. You're going to have all the Kareem Hunt who's sitting out till he gets paid. You're going to have all these guys on your fantasy team. You're going to want to watch it. But I'm not. my goal is to not have any Cleveland Browns on my roster this year because of Deshaun Watson. Remind me of that in a couple weeks when I have all three fantasy drafts. And I'm probably going to be like, oh, let's go to Joku. Woohoo! Packers will be on my TV tonight. Somebody asked me what to expect uh, from the Green Bay Packers tonight. Not a ton. Don't I mean, again, this goes back to what I opened with, talking about Bart Scott and the what do you watch in the preseason. See, the reason people don't like preseason, A, it's not super competitive, clean football. But the other reason is, We don't like watching non-fantasy football players play. Like, there's a lot of questions about the Packers' offense without Devontae Adams, right? You want to see what Alan Lazard's going to do. Well, if Lazard has two catches for 16 yards and then gets pulled, what does that do for your fantasy team? What does that do for your fantasy draft? What does that do for your mock draft, your fantasy knowledge? Uh, If Aaron Jones gets one carry tonight and one catch in a total of 11 yards, and then he's done, as a Packers fan, I'm like, cool, Let's see what everybody else can do behind him. Let's see what everybody else can do that's on that depth chart. You know, my my, my dude, the running back, Tyler Goodson from Iowa, Hawkeye fan, you know that guy can play. I believe Tyler Goodson can play in in the National Football League. He'd be a great third option for Green Bay if he's able to to produce. And you know he's going to try to ball out tonight. A.J. Dillon's a lock. Aaron Jones is a lock. It's everybody else fighting for that. I do another podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket, Wicket on Wisconsin. And there's a lot of Packers content on that. I have three things that I'm three different uh, storylines coming out of camp or coming into camp. One is the new offense without Devontae Adams. We'll see some of it tonight. 
We'll see what if Watkins plays, what he gets. If Lazard plays, what he gets. What the two rookies, this is the other thing, the rookie wide receivers of this rookie class. Now, we're not going to see Christian Watson play because Christian Watson's got the knee injury. But we are going to see Romeo Dubs play, who's been the star of camp, and he's a third-day guy out of Nevada. Or the seventh-round pick, Samare Toure. Like, those are guys that I'm interested in seeing because the Packers' wide-receiving room is so whack right now. But I think it's going to be just fine because of number 12, who's not going to play perhaps in the entire preseason. And then the third thing is Jordan Love. I heard a great cut from Aaron Rodgers earlier this week about year three for Jordan Love reminds him of year three when he sat behind Favre. He says once you get to that third year, the game starts to slow down. And Jordan Love has had a very strange three years. Gets drafted in the COVID year. Doesn't doesn't even take a snap. Doesn't dress for a game. And then last year, Rodgers has the MVP. We only see Love in the Chiefs game when Rodgers got suspended for being immunized and not vaccinated. And he almost won that game. One more quarter, and I think the jitters would have been gone and Love wins. And then the game against the Lions where Love looked like a guy who hadn't played much NFL football. But I still have faith in Love, and I think there are a lot of people that may, if you're a Packers fan, who don't love Jordan Love, who aren't supportive of Jordan Love. I think there are a lot of people who wonder if he's going to get the Garoppolo treatment, and that is, can you trade him for anything? Can you trade him next year if he plays well in these preseason games and actually looks like a competent NFL quarterback? Can you trade him for a fifth-round pick or a fourth-round pick or something like the Patriots did with Jimmy G? So those are the three things I'm looking for in tonight's Packers game. You can hit me up on Twitter. Follow me at Mike Wicked. I I tend to tweet a lot during Packers games, but I also tend to tweet less when I have two and three white claws. So it's just kind of a balance. Catch me in the first quarter. (laughs) That's my advice to you. (laughs) Coolest thing that I saw happen in the entire world of sports. Maybe my entire life happened this week. I want you to hear it. And our producer, Kira, is about to boldly go where they've never gone before. That's next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Inflation got you feeling sourdough? Get a loaf of this. No car payments for up to three months just by moving your car loan to Community Choice. Three months of no payments? Now that's a lot of cold, hard bread. Spend your extra bread on gas, groceries, anything. Ready to get started? Takes just 60 seconds by going to unbankyourbread.com. Community choice. Unusual? No, it's unbanking. Loan subject to credit approval analysis. See credit in for All right! Let me hear you! When you watch this, was it creepy or awesome? That is the question going on in the studio right now. Harry Carey last night, or should I say hologram Harry Carey. Crank this one up a little bit more for me, Kira. Yeah. So they played that last night. 
uh, at the uh, the Field of Dreams game. Cubs and Reds. Cubs win. Was it five, four to three, four to two? One of those two, four to three. Anyway, Cubs beat the Reds last night in Dyersville. Field of Dreams game number two. And that was not the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I do love, trust me, I do love a good hologram. Like, I have gotten into debates with people. Like, I would go see hologram Tupac for 20 bucks. All right? I'd go see hologram Michael Jackson or hologram Elvis or whatever. I'd, I'd pay 20 bucks. Kira, would you pay 20 bucks for a dead celebrity that you'd want to see? 20? Absolutely. 20 bucks? Not like 80. Yeah, that, you no, know? that's crazy. Like, I'd go see Prince. Hologram Prince? Yeah. For 20 bucks? Yeah. So we got hologram Harry Carey last night in the, he was in the, the, the press box. It does look a little bit weird, you know. And then they had it synced up with with the voice of uh, the legendary broadcaster. And some people thought it was creepy. Some people thought it was cool. I think it was fine. It added to the nostalgia of the Field of Dreams game, which, by the way, will not be back in Dyersville next year because they are building a softball field. They're building a little league, a permanent little league field out there. They're building a hotel. They're literally investing millions of dollars. In the Field of Dreams field, the stadium, in Dyersville. Twelve and a half. Twelve and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money for Dyersville, Iowa. <laughs> two-thirds of the revenue that they're projecting, the travel Dubuque, two-thirds of that money they're expecting to come in in the future is from the one game a year that they play. Wow. One game a year. And there's no guarantee it's coming back. Like, I think it will. I think it should. I also, on the other hand, think that it shouldn't. It shouldn't come every year because last night, and if you're going to give us the, the Field of Dreams game, fine, but you better not give us the two worst teams in the National League Central and two of the worst teams in all of baseball. I predicted it was going to be a snoozer of a game months ago when they told us this was going to happen. And if you're a fan of home runs, this was not your game. Last year's game with the walk-off from Tim Anderson into the corn, couldn't have scripted it better. This game was boring. It was a boring game. It was 3-0, and then that was it. Like, there was a little bit of scoring late when the bullpen, the Cubs' bullpen gave up two runs, but it was a boring baseball game. Here's what you do. And the teams are terrible. You make it either a pre- or postseason thing. Either preseason game, you know, standings aren't here yet, Maybe. rankings aren't here yet. Yeah, but everybody kind of knew the Cubs were going to suck this year. Everybody yeah. kind of knew the Reds were going to suck this year. But I see what you're saying. <laughs> but, I mean, they have to make the announcements so teams can plan and travel and fans and all that stuff. And and they did pick from a big Cubs fan base in the state of Iowa. Obviously, we got the I-Cubs downtown here in Des Moines. Um, Chicago is not far from Dyersville. That was a couple-hour drive from, from Wrigley to the Field of Dreams field. And again, I think it's cool for Dyersville, but I think I think it really loses its luster if you do it every single year. Next year, they're playing three games in London. Yeah, they're actually doing a three-game series in, in England to try to expand the game. They're watching the NFL do everything right, and they're like, well, wait a minute, maybe we should probably... The NBA plays all over the world. Hockey plays all over the world. Baseball needs to figure out a way to expand its its brand. They play in Japan every so often. I know. I know that much. Coolest thing I saw in, in sports, maybe in my entire life, happened this week, and it came from a Little League game. I don't know if you saw this. So the Little League World Series regionals are going on, and a kid named Caden Shelton of a Texas team was playing against or was facing the batter Isaiah Jarvis of Tulsa. And on an 0-2 pitch, the batter gets hit in the head by the ball and hits him in the helmet, like up above the ear, 
near the eye, like in that area. Kid goes to the ground, clutching his head. And if you've ever played Little League Baseball, there's a good chance you've been hit in the head by a ball. All right? It's scary. You fear the worst. You're 12. You're in a bit of a shock. But eventually, the kid dusted himself off and made his way down to first base. Now, I don't want to play the entire soundbite because there's just a lot of atmosphere. But the camera's on the kid on first. And we can talk about whether or not there should be cameras and nationally televised games of 12-year-old kids capturing their worst moments. But the camera flashes to the batter who's now standing on first. And he's clearly distraught, not from getting hit in the head, but he looks at the pitcher and walks over to him. Oh, look out. Wow, that is a tough kid right there. Walks to first. This is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Hey, bro. Look at me. Look at me. You're all right. Amazing. You're all right. Look at me. I about welled up listening to that. So if you, if I can describe it more to you, the kid that got hit by the head by the ball walks from first base to the pitcher's mound because the pitcher has his hat over his face and he's crying because he's twelve. He's a twelve-year-old kid that just hit somebody in the head, but wasn't intentional, wasn't malicious. Ball got away from him. It happens. It's baseball. And the batter walks over and hugs the pitcher. And the first thing you heard the kid say, and the microphones picked it up, hey, you're doing great, let's go, throw strikes. And I love that. I abs- That's what, what youth sports is about. You see so many parents, so many stupid parents that are in the, in the stands screaming and yelling because they think their kid's the next Mike Trout. Your kid's not going to be Eric Hosmer. All right? Your kid's not Juan Soto. of those kids will never sniff a Major League Baseball field. There's always the one. They always show Robin Ventura or Barry Bonds when they were Little Leaguers. Sure. But I absolutely loved it. And as a dad, I absolutely loved it. Because I want, I hope that when my kids, if they play sports and they're involved in an incident like that, that they have the compassion they know what's more important than the game. They see their, their, their air quote, enemy, but they see their, their peer losing it. And they've all, we've all been there. I love this kid, Isaiah Jarvis. I hope he makes it to the majors and wins an MVP. But what he did made him an MVP in my mind. Coolest thing I've seen. If you haven't seen the video, follow me on Twitter. I tweeted about it. It's, it's awesome. So props to that kid. We're going to close with this. Kira is our producer. How much time do we have, Kira? Uh, four, four minutes. Four minutes? Okay, great. Yeah. Three-ish, four-ish, something like yeah. that, whatever. So I'm walking into the studio, and our operations manager, She uh, she's in charge of all eight radio stations here in the building, all right? She says to me, she's tearing something off on a piece of paper. Ooh, nice ASMR. Thank you. <laughs> and she says, you need to get the general manager in the fantasy football league. 
So we have our fantasy league here in the building. Uh, there's some salespeople, some on-air people, some promotions people, you know, a conglomerate. And I'm like, huh? So our general manager, you've heard her name mentioned for advertisements on this station, Stephanie Heidi. She wants to be in our fantasy league. And I'm like, okay. Um, and, and she and the ROM looks at me and says, no, you need to get Stephanie into the fantasy league. She's the GM. She's She's in charge of the building. She can do whatever she wants, you know? So I'm like, all right, um, well, we've got 12 right now. We, you don't play fantasy football with, with 13. You need to have an even number. So we're, we're going to have to figure this out. And I'm like, all right, who am I going to get? Because I think I've tapped everybody. But I walk in studio. Here's Kira, who I am 99.9% .9 sure has never played fantasy football in their life. And I'm like, Kira, would you like to play fantasy and be our 14th team and your answer is absolutely do you know anything about fantasy football absolutely not that's fantastic. okay <laughs> and that's you know why that's fine a because it's something for you because you worked here at espn for a while you get to learn a little more about sports you get to learn a little more about, it's a math thing i know you love math you love numbers <laughs> and someone's gonna be like wicked they've got no chance of winning well actually just because Kira doesn't know football doesn't mean they can't win. My wife won this thing last year, has the trophy on her on her desk here in the building. She couldn't name one player on her fantasy team that she won the championship with. So Kira, do not worry. You don't really have to know a whole lot. You got two weeks to cram before the draft. You're good. <laughs> You're good. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not good at football. <laughs> Um, She's going to win the whole damn thing. But I'm really good at interpreting <laughs> statistics. See, there you go. I know you're a numbers person, so that works out. So welcome to your first Fantasy League. Uh, I will include you. I send out the email this weekend, all right? Thank you. Thank you for being number 14. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. This is a good song right here. Nelly and Genuine, the grandstand act at the Iowa State Fair. I will see you on Monday if you're going to go to the Alanis Morissette show. That I can't wait for. Thanks to Fred Siegel for joining me. Check out his book from Old Takes Exposed. I'm Wicket. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Have a great weekend.